0: But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. When they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among The dead. He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day and rise. And they remembered his words. Occasionally on social media, I'll see some sort of breaking news story. And I'll see some sort of reporter report, and they'll use, they'll use this, this phrase, big if true. Well, friends, I'm here to tell you this morning that it is big news, and it is true that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and we celebrate that this morning. We celebrate uh, the resurrection, because the resurrection changes everything. There's, there's nothing in this life. That the resurrection doesn't change. Now, if the resurrection wasn't real and it was all a hoax, if his body is still hidden and buried in a tomb somewhere, then this is but rubbish. This is no good. But if it's true, and I believe with me that, in, with everything in me, that it is true. Matter of fact, that there's never been anyone who has ever been able to, to disprove the resurrection. And time and time and time again, after people have tried to disprove the resurrection, as they've, they've gone to Israel, as they've studied archaeology, as they've studied the Bible, time and time again, those who have just tried to disprove that it's true end up coming to faith. They end up coming to Christ and believing. And so, because the resurrection is true, it changes everything. And it validates Jesus' ministry. It validates what Jesus did on this earth. So it means that Jesus wasn't just a philanthropist and a good philosopher, philosopher, but that Jesus was actually God in the flesh. It means that Jesus is Lord Jesus is Lord, it means we must obey him. It means that he is king. It means that he is ruler. And so because the resurrection is true, it means he's God in the flesh, it means we must obey his commands. There are actually 49 commands of Christ in Scripture. Now, in those 49 commands, he he tells us to... To, to believe in God's Word. So th- that brings more. But 49 times Christ says different commands. And they're things like, follow me. Believe in me. Repent. Turn from the ways of the world and follow me. Be baptized. Man, at our church, we're, we're a church that believes in baptism. Baptism is a, a, a an expression. It's, a, it's an ordinance of the church, but it's an outward expression of what what happens to us inside. That that we have died to ourselves and we're raised to new life. But he also gives these kind of hard commands. Commands like rejoice when you're persecuted. Honor God's law. Be reconciled to others. Reconciliation isn't, isn't a command easily followed? Matter of fact, reconciliation to others who've hurt you will be one of the harder things that you ever do in your life. He gives us commands like deny yourself. Oh friends, every day you will fight the urge to not deny yourself but to do whatever yourself, to, 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 to follow yourself, to, to give over to yourself. He gives commands like, don't lust. That's a hard one, especially when he puts, puts the, the, his ethic on it. To keep your word, to go the second mile, to, to make disciples and to seek God's kingdom first. These are the commands of Christ. And if, and if Jesus is Lord, and he is, and he's called us to follow him, then he's called us to obey these commandments. Now, at Overland Church, um, we... Uh, most of the time preach through books of the bible it 's kind of how we, we believe god 's word to be authoritative and powerful. Uh, we believe that it 's good, and so we just we, we love to preach through books of the bible and we 're in a really kind of kind of weird spot today because we 're in the middle of a sermon. Brandon last week started something called the Sermon on the Plain. This is similar to the Sermon on the Mount found in uh, the book of Matthew, but but I believe it was just a different account. Uh, preachers often have uh, l- little different sermons they use in different circumstances, and they change them up. And I believe this is what Jesus was doing in this 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 spot. And so, he's in the middle. Uh, he he's in the middle right now of this sermon on the plain. He had come down off the mountain. He's and he's preaching to people. Last week, as Brandon opened up the Bible, he talked about uh, the. The um, Beatitudes and the Woes. And today we're going to come to a command in Scripture that is one that is very hard to follow. Maybe of all the commands of Scripture, maybe the one that we're going to be confronted with today in this text is the hardest one that we might follow. And so as we begin diving into, by God's sovereign plan where we are in His Word, um, I want you to see this. Here's the big truth that I want you to walk away with today. Is that Jesus' love for us models how we ought to love others. Jesus' love for us models how we ought to love others. And so, uh, you can follow along on the screen, but also if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 6. We'll be in verses 27 through... Thirty-six. Luke writes this for us. He says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak... Do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good... and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. So as we begin to break apart this text, here's the, the first concept that I want us to grab, the first big idea, is that followers of Jesus must adopt his kingdom ethic. And ethic is a, a set of moral principles. And there's been a lot of different uh, ethics that have, had, have come out of studying, and philosophy, and uh, law, there's been a lot of different ethics. But Jesus' ethic is a kingdom eth- ethic. And it's often been said that it's the upside-down ethic. That it is very different from that of the world. That the world puts forth one ethic, but Jesus' kingdom eth- ethic, it's different. That ethic is, is one that doesn't uh, work with the way of the world. The truth is, it's, it's radical. It's radical. When you hear the commands of Christ... They're radical. They're rooted in something different. There's a truth that that is believed by Jesus that isn't believed by the world. Therefore, that ethic is different. As we we approach this text, we've 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 got to ask the question what hermeneutic do we apply here? Now, hermeneutics is just how we look at the Bible, how we interpret the Bible. Is this a literal interpretation of the Bible? Are there, things, that, there are things in Scripture that, like, I, I take the Bible to be literal as a whole, but there are figures of speech in the Bible. There are poems in, in which there's illusions that are made, right? There's prophecy, there's law, there's different things. So how do we interpret it? Do we have to keep every dot or iota of this? Well, here's the answer. When we go to interpret Scripture, we let Scripture interpret Scripture. And so if it's used somewhere else in the Scripture going forward, we can kind of look back and interpret it, and it is. If it's in the past, we can see what what happens in the Old Testament that brings light to what's happening in the New Testament. And so here's the reality of the, the Bible, is that in the Old Testament, in the setting up of the law, the law of Moses and the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, God goes to great extent to take care of the poor, to take care of the sojourner in a strange land, to take care of the needy, the hurt. But he also makes sure that things are balanced and fair. right? He puts in the commands things like, do not steal, do not covet. He puts up up these guardrails. And so what we're going to see today as we interpret the, the Scriptures both from the Old Testament and the New Testament is that what God cared about is that sinners come to repentance. What God cared about, what Jesus cared about when he says these, is that these enemies be granted faith, that these enemies enter the kingdom of God. And so as followers of of God, we have to abandon the ways of the world and we have to adopt his ethic. He says here right off the bat, love your enemies. But what does the world tell us to do? What does our own natural desire tell us to do? But to hate your enemies, to despise them. When someone rises up against you, you don't love them. You oppose them. Do good to those who hate you. Wait a second. This isn't what my heart wants to do. They hate me. They're coming after me. I want to destroy them. Bless those who curse you. No. We want to curse those who curse us. that's, That's what the world says. That's what our heart says. Pray for those who abuse you. No, we want to seek vengeance. We want to see their downfall. We want to see their destruction. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. Oh no. That's not what we want. When somebody strikes you on the cheek, you want to beat them to a pulp. Right? You're not, I'm not go, you don't want to take that. You, you're going to hit me. I'm going to teach you. You don't hit me. You're going to get hit back. From one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. No. If we see somebody taking something of ours, we're going to stop them, right? We're going to stop them and we're going to take it back. From one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. So if someone takes something, you stop them and punish them, you, you, don't, you don't give them something else. Give to everyone who begs to you. No, they should get a job. That's what they should do. Now, I'm not, again, we're not going to break down the ethic here. And for one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. No, but what do we want to do? No, we're going to sue them. We'll take them to court. And not only do we want it back, we want reparations for it, right? We want more, more, and over and over. We want the damages caused. And we can say, oh, man, that bothered us greatly. It's a great emotional toil. It's worth at least a million (laughs) dollars. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. That's not how we do. We treat people in the way in which the way that we treat them, treats them benefits us the most. So if, we treat, if, if we've got something we need from them and we treat them nice, let's manipulate them to get what we need. Or, if you have no use for that person, and it's just a waste of your time, then you treat them like you're a waste of your time. You pre- t- pretend they're not there. I mean, that is the way of the world. I'm going to tell a story, and my family's going to rag me about it later, I'm going to tell it anyway. And I learned this lesson the hard way. When I was 17 years old. I was a junior in high school. Beginning of my junior year, um, I was on a school bus, and uh, we were coming back from the agricultural farm. And uh, some kids were running their mouth, and this one kid was instigating a fight. And there was this kid in in there that was just this big kid, and wasn't he just wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. And um, they kind of like oh. You can't beat up Zach. They like, you can't beat up Zach. And I'm like, not big, right, still, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't get, get why this happened. Jeff's way bigger than me. And anyway, it turns into Jeff shows up at my work about two days later with about 30 people. And I knew he was there to fight. I knew he was there to fight. And so um, I walked out there and I fought him. And um, Jeff the crowbar O bar caught me with a good lick. Right here, and he broke my jaw, and I felt it. I felt my jaw go, and all of a sudden, wouldn't shut. We finished the fight. People didn't know that they broke my jaw, but I knew it. They fled the scene. Of, they, they fled the scene. The cops show up. They take me to jail. I have to call my dad from jail and say, "Dad, guess where I am?" He says, "You better be at work." I said, "I'm in jail." He said, "I'll be there in a minute," and. Um, <laughs> I didn't get arrested, just to put that out there, but I did have to ride in the back of the police car, and, it, and, and they brought in the paramedic, and the paramedic looks at me, and goes, your jaw's broke. I went, you think? <laughs> you know, like, I know this is what's happening. And so I have to have surgery, and I have to have my mouth wired shut. And so I learned to talk like this, and I learned to eat like this. And so, I mean, for six weeks, I drank Insure, right? I blended up oatmeal and sausage, and I drank it. I tried. I even tried Diet uh, Coke and pizza. That didn't work well, but I tried it. Like I was trying anything to eat. But let me tell you what happened. I got some hatred in my heart towards Jeff Crowbar, the O-bar. You know, like Jeff. I wanted retaliation. And he was bigger than me, so I thought, I'm going to have to use a baseball bat. You know, like, what's going to have to happen? I just thought, like, I got it in my heart, and I was, like, dwelling on it. I'm going to get him back. He's embarrassed me. He's caused me great hurt. He's caused me great pain. And, man, I'll just be honest. For a couple years, I was watching for him. I was waiting to catch him in the alley, so to speak. And it was after I started... Uh, repented of a lot of sin and started reading the Bible, and I read this, and it brought me to tears. It, it, the Lord convicted me that in my heart, I wasn't loving my, my enemy. I hated my enemy. I hated him. And so the Lord brought me tears. I hadn't run into Jeff anywhere, and I remember I was in town. It was about 9 o'clock at night, and I had pulled up to talk to a friend, and Jeff walked around the corner and i just walked over and said hey jeff how you doing is everything going well i hadn't seen you since you broke my jaw you know like you know and i just started a conversation and i and i left it and, and it's it's left right there and i began to love him and um, it's a sad story um, I'm pretty sure he's no longer alive any anymore but the lord moved and worked in my heart and i believe Reading the book of Romans was a big part of what brought me to this. In Romans chapter 12, it says this. This is is more of Jesus' kingdom ethic being fleshed out by the Apostle Paul. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Listen, I don't know how you've been hurt. I don't know the names of your enemies. I don't know those who've persecuted you. I also don't know who will hurt you in the future, who will persecute you in the future, who will cause you harm in the future. But what I know is that Jesus tells us to love them. To forgive them, to love those who hate you. Now, he explains farther, verse 32. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. So here's my next big idea, is that followers of Jesus will be known by their love. Matter of fact, in John 13, verse 35, it says this, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And so here, we continue to see this ethic unfold, that you have to love those who, who love you. What benefit is that? Isn't that, isn't that normal human response to love those who, who love you? To do good who, the, to those who do good to you? It, 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 it says, it's talking about lending, because there's, there's care here. for there's, there's material need here, right? And so there's this idea of lending, and it goes, oh, even, even sinners lend and don't expect interest in return, but, but that debt to be paid. And you know what, well, wait a second, my bank's never done that. Oh, but there's a good chance your parent has Right? There's a good chance that, that your parent has lended to you. right? I, I, know, I know interest rates are high right now. I know someone in my family, um, a relative of mine, uh, heard of another relative of mine in need. They're, they're buying a car and they thought, man, that interest rate's ridiculous. Let me just loan you the money. I've got it. You go buy the car. You, you pay me back. Right? That makes sense. Even sinners do that, it says. And so... What does this love look like? But you love your enemies, and you do good, and you lend, expecting nothing in return. Now, here's where the kingdom ethic really starts to change things. Because your reward won't be on this earth necessarily. Your reward will be in heaven. It's upside down. It's the kingdom of God is where eternal life will be. It's the kingdom of God where we will live eternity. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High God. Be merciful, he says, even as your Father is merciful. Kyle Hancock, who's sitting right back there when he was a junior in high school. um, I was his student pastor. And... um, I was highly involved in his, his life and another group of boys, uh, a lot of them played soccer. I coached soccer. I was the character coach. Uh, I knew nothing about soccer, but I knew something about character. And so I got asked to be one of the coaches. That was really funny. Um, and uh, one, one, one morning, it was a, a Saturday morning, uh, John Owen was little. We were in the, the process of bringing home James from Ethiopia and in the middle of the night, uh, Jennifer wakes up, and she's like, huh? She just heard something. And it, as soon as she woke me up, like, I heard a car pulling off. And um, I was like, that's nothing. If it's something bad, they left. They're, they're gone. Let's go back to sleep. And so I go back to sleep, and I, I walk to the, to the front door the next morning when we get up, and I open it, and our storm door had been shattered. Uh, the storm door had been shattered, but the, the glass was all in, so it was like apparent to me that something hit it and brought it forward, and so she's like, somebody broke our glass, and I was like, it's probably just an owl or something flew into it. Don't, don't be worried, you know, um, and in my head, I'm going like, yeah, just an owl, whatever, I don't know. It's surely that car pulling off in the middle of the night had nothing to do with it, and so uh, I go for a run that morning, and I'm out and about running, I, I see some of my... My students that that i'm involved in their lives, I wave at them or whatever, and you know I kind of fix the glass to get the glass done. I think it was ninety four dollars something like that to to get it fixed several weeks later Kyle Han- Kyle Hancock and I are in Haiti, and um, we're on a mission trip there we're doing some work we to, at a, at an orphanage, and we're doing some some actually it's video work and we're over there. Uh, filming some stuff, and in a late night conversation, Kyle says, "Hey, I'm worried about my best friend." And I said, "Yeah, why so?" He said, "Man, he's just he's just hanging out with some bad dudes. Uh, they're doing some stupid stuff." And I'm like, "Oh yeah." And this 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 his best friend comes in my small group on Tuesday nights. I'm like, "Oh yeah, what are they doing?" He said, "Man, a few weeks ago they were out riding around, and..." They like, were in the, just, like, this neighborhood over by your house, and one of, the, one of the guys jumps out with a baseball bat and just goes and busts a window, and they get in, they run off, and they were doing other stupid stuff. And I was like, Oh, really? Really? They, they did that? He's like, Yeah. And I was like, Just grabbed my phone and showed him a picture of my busted window, and Kyle realized that he just became a narc. <laughs> uh, I was like, Oh, man, I narked. Well, So happens, uh, Kyle was FCA president. He had me speak at FCA, and I'm speaking at FCA. And I watched two of the four young men walk in the room, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to interject this story. (laughs) So I just slide that story in, and I see their faces go. They start getting red. You just, like, see it coming up. And remember, I'm their character coach, right? I'm their character coach. And so... um, I'll be honest, like for 3 or 4 weeks, like every time I was around them, I laid it on. I laid something on. I never confronted them about it. I didn't do anything. Well, they began to distance themselves from me somewhat. They they knew that they they, they didn't know that I knew, but they they knew that they that they had busted my window in fact. Well, one of those young men thought he was going to have this epic prank. And this prank was that they were going to, to vote for what they deemed the ugliest girl in their grade to be on the homecoming court. And when she walked out on the, the football field at homecoming, they were going to heckle her. And so this, this wasn't like the normal kind of kind of like, this person is not something that would win a, a beauty pageant. And so they do this, and they get their, their junior class to vote for it. Well, it made me livid. I just was like, this, this, is, this is sinful and this is shameful. And it was just stirring in my heart, what am I going to do? Well, that night comes, homecoming night comes. It was the end of September. And I didn't know what I was going to do. But in that moment, it's like as if the Holy Spirit kind of prompted me, now's the time. And so just as they're announcing... Who who the homecoming candidates are to walk out on the field? I walk up in the middle of the student section in the stands, and they're all looking down. I'm right in the middle of them. I just start pointing them out. You and you and you get down here, and everybody's on me. Eyes on eyes on me, and they get up and they come down. This look of shame, and meanwhile, everybody else just cheers and they don't realize what what has happened. It kept the girl from being heckled. I took them behind the stands behind the bleachers anybody been behind the bleachers (laughs) right that's where you go to fight right and so they're like what's happening and uh they know about jeff the crowbar too they know they know i can take a look and man i look over and the sheriff he's crooked but the sheriff was standing over there (laughs) and uh i looked at them and i said listen i know what you guys have done i know what you've done and i laid it on thick and I was like, you know, here we are trying to bring home our son. You've taken this, you've made this harder. You've caused this financial problem, $94. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I, I lay it on. I said, I could walk you right over them, right over that sheriff right now, and I could tell them what you did, and you know you'd get in big trouble. I said, but I'm not going to do that. And I explained the gospel to them. I explained this very thing, that I love them and that I cared for each one of them. My desire wasn't that those four boys get in trouble because I love them. My desire was that those four boys be saved, that those four boys come to know Christ. So I shared the gospel with them. One of them was a believer already. The, the one that was in my small group, he was a believer. And in that moment, he and I were reconciled. And matter of fact, he, he's on a, He's on a missions team of one of our partner churches, and he has to like approve our funding every year, right? <laughs> like He's great. He's been here a bunch. I explain the gospel to them, and I just say, like, this is what Jesus Christ did for you. And I explain, I'm showing you mercy. I'm not going to give you the punishment you deserve. I mean, here is the ethic. The ethic is be merciful even as your Father is merciful that's the kingdom ethic it's one of mercy and so i explained to them what mercy it was mercy's not getting the punishment you deserve but rather i said i'm going to show you grace i'm going to put an offer on the table steak dinner on me let's go hang out one reconcile with me two of those boys made professions of faith one kept running and running and running and running to alcohol and drugs and cocaine and late one night driving under the influence struck a family and killed a kid he went to jail he did not receive the mercy and grace that was offered to him first john Chapter 4. It says this. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us, God is love. And whoever abides In love abides in God and God abides in him. By this love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love but perfect love cast out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not know his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Friends, this is the good news of the gospel. Here's the big idea is that Jesus loved us when we hated him. Jesus loves those who hated him. He loved us when we were in rebellion to him. Romans 5 says this, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. the good news of the gospel. This is why we have a kingdom ethic. This is why we can love those who hate us because Jesus loved us when we hated Him. This is why we can show grace and mercy to people because He has shown grace and mercy to us. As I reflected on this text this week, I couldn't help but think of the cross. Think about Jesus' final days. His instruction to us is love your enemies. Think about the the, the crucifixion. Think about him toting the cross. Think about the mocking, the scorn. He loved those who would kill him. He said do good to those who hate you. He died that they might live. He said bless those who curse you. He said pray for those who abuse you. He didn't just bless them, he prayed for them. He said, he prayed, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer also the other. Not not, not only did he get struck on the cheek uh, when he was in front of the high priest, but they gave him 39 lashes on the back. This is the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one that could have struck them dead with a word. The one that could have called fire down from heaven. And what did he do but his own commands to us that he turn the other cheek. And it says, from from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Oh, they just didn't take it from him. They took it from him. And while he was hanging on the cross, they cast lots for it to see who would get it. There was a way of mocking him. He says, give to everyone who begs from you. He looks over at the criminal on the cross who begged him. The criminal on the cross said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what did Jesus say? Oh, today you will be with me in paradise. And from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them. Jesus didn't demand that any of those people repay him. Think about the silliness of that. Could you repay Jesus for what he did on the cross? By no means. There's no way that you can match it. There's no way that you can earn it. It is by grace that anyone may be saved. It's God's unmerited favor. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. And what did Jesus do but save? Friends, here's my last big idea, and it's this. is that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. It's the good kingdom. It's the good life. And today I want to invite you into that. There's two groups of people in this room. I often say something like this. There's two groups of people. There are those who reject Jesus, therefore reject His kingdom ethic. And there are those who obey it. They believe and they obey it. They follow Christ. And so maybe you're in this room today and you've never believed the gospel before. You've never understood what it means that Jesus rose from the dead. You've never understood the power of what happened in the resurrection. And today, you believe. Today, you believe Jesus is Lord. And you're ready to receive His mercy and His grace and His love towards you. It is a beautiful gift. It's a gift that comes with forgiveness. And it comes with love. No matter what you've done, Jesus says, come to me. No matter how you've hated Him, Jesus says, come to me. No matter how you've cursed Him, Jesus says, come to me. And so you can come to Christ today. The Bible says this. This is how we come to faith. It's by belief. It's it's confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. It's saying, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. And believing in your heart that God raised his son from the dead. That that believe in the resurrection. That Christ atoned for your sins today. And be saved. Come to faith in Christ. And the way that we express that. The way that we show the world that we have believed, is by baptism. And so I would tell you, talk to me, talk to one of our other pastors about the gospel, the good news, and what it means to be baptized, and come to faith today. Come to Jesus today. To those in the room who claim to be followers of Christ, be marked by Jesus' kingdom ethic. Be marked by love. Be people of mercy and grace. And let's go forth and obey the commands of Christ. So Father, we love you. And we praise you for your word. And Lord, I believe it's true. And I believe it's right. And I believe it's good. Lord, I pray that you would grant faith today. That you would save today. That even now, in this moment, Lord, people would repent of the ways of the world. The ways of hate. The ways of evil. And they would adopt you accept their adoption into your family that they would believe that you have the power to save them that they would confess with their mouth that you are Lord that they would turn and obey that they would turn and follow that they would no longer place their faith and trust in themselves or some sort of empty philosophy or some other form of deceit but Lord that they would see that while we were still sinners that you sent Christ to die for us and they wouldn't think that this is just an old fable, an old wise tale, some form of old-timey religion. But they would see that you were alive, that you were resurrected from the dead, and that you live. They would believe that you're sitting in heaven on your throne, ruling and reigning. And Lord, may they follow you today. Lord, let us be a people who... could. Practice your commands, who, who obey you, who are willing to, to say, Father, whatever you command, whatever you say, wherever you lead, I'll go. I'll do it. I'm following you, Jesus. So, Lord, move in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen.